Welcome to the podcast called Terminal Illness Beyond the Physical. Terminal illness is one of the most challenging and heart-wrenching diseases at times, not only for the affected individuals, but for their loved ones as well. It is always a hope that no one in our lives or in general has terminal illness, but unfortunately, it does exist in the world. Terminal illness is a type of disease or illness that is considered an end-stage or end-of-life disease. This is because there is no cure or effective treatment that can make the condition any better and in turn result in the death of a patient. With terminal illness, individuals cannot live their life to the fullest due to the fact that their quality of life is poorer. People tend to have different interpretation of terminal illness, and most of the time this illness is associated with physical conditions. Some of the most popular known terminal illnesses would include cancer, lung disease, advanced heart disease, motor neuron disease, and neurological diseases like Parkinson's. Although terminal illness is associated with physical conditions, terminal illness does not simply reside in the physical attributes of an individual. It also affects the mental attributes of an individual too. In this podcast, you'll see why physical terminal illness does not always relate to the general definition of terminal illness. Once again, terminal illness is usually associated with a poor quality of life, where once again treatments are no longer effective or you know have the ability to improve someone's quality of life, which is really unfortunate. And if someone's quality of life isn't where they want to be, or if they've been suffering for a long time, it is usually a normal action in which people lean towards having a physician-assisted suicide or voluntary euthanasia to end their life and, in turn, end their suffering. Voluntary euthanasia is dealing with when a clearly competent patient makes a fully voluntary and persisted request for aid in dying from the physician. Basically, the physician acts last with voluntary euthanasia. They basically take the the action of the person killing themselves and they place it in the physician's hands to make sure that end of life for them is a safe, um, clean-cut method of ending someone's life. With PAS, as shown with Ares's reading, Um, A clearly competent patient, once again, has the ability to request a full voluntary and persistent self-determination as presented within Ares' reading um, in regards to euthanasia is when the people's interest in making um, important decisions about their lives for themselves according to their own values and conceptions of a good life and in being free to act on those decisions. So basically, they are taking that decision to die and essentially dying with dignity and taking it to their own hands instead of having to deal with this lifelong unfortunate illness that with slim chances, there will be nothing, you know, like no change, no significant change in their their way of life for the better.
This is valuable because it allows people to form and live in accordance with their own conception of a good life, and at least within the bounds of justice and consistent with others doing so as well. That was also presented in the era's reading. This is why self-determination is so important because people are taking their own life into their own hands. That's the importance of patient autonomy. Without patient autonomy, no one would be able to have full range on how they you know, accept their treatment or how they will be able to deal with their own life if they do not longer see where something is working out for them, their life, for example, and their suffering, they're taking that decision into their own hands. It's what they believe is the best for them. And this allows for, you know, some minimum of decision-making capacities that cannot be justifiably discounted for. Again, it's their life they have a right to. And this is why if someone was suffering, they should be given this right for self-determination. Another important value is individual well-being. Individual well-being, once again, is presented within the errors reading, is when a competent patient decides to forgo and end further life-sustaining treatment that the patient explicitly or implicitly common, commonly decides that the best life possible for them is when they no longer receive treatment. We want what's best for our patients. Physicians always do anyone in the healthcare field go into that as part of their job as putting no one in harm way and trying to make their life better, trying to improve their quality of life. But what happens when the case is that their life is currently no longer, even with treatment, no longer well? That's why with terminal illness, it's a very tricky subject. Life-sustaining treatment sometimes just doesn't work for someone anymore. With these thoughts in mind, we can see how terminal illness can definitely represent itself outside of the physical realm of the person. Some qualified diseases that can be associated with this are depression. In one article that we read in class uh, is the Newsweek article by Alicia Ogara. There was a 24-year-old named Laura who suffered from depression and suicidal thoughts her entire childhood and adult life. She said that death feels to me as not a choice. If she had a choice, she would choose a bearable life, but she had done everything and that was unsuccessful. When it comes to someone suffering, that infringes upon their individual well-being. And that's where self-determination comes into play. How right is it for someone even after the fact of trying every type of, every type of treatment, every type of avenue to make their life better, to make their quality of life better, and in turn it doesn't work out. That's why depression can definitely be something that's terminal. It is infringing upon someone's quality of life because they can no longer live to their fullest. They can no longer live a quality life due to their mental state. Again, terminal illness is dealing with the idea that no matter how much treatment an individual receives, their life remains 
and poor quality. And unfortunately, depression can lead to suicide and end of life. These ideas can associate to the outside world. One way we know this is through the presented article by Psychology Today, um, written by Robert T. Miller, who's a PhD. One person that Robert brought up in his article would be Mayor Clayton, who since childhood suffered from unrelenting psychological disorders that robbed him, as he states in the article, a sustaining and reasonable quality of life. Mayer stated that, I'm not suicidal in the sense that I hate myself and want to leave. I think this world is beautiful, but the amount of pain is intolerable. Some people are confined to lives that are truly horrifying, amounts of suffering that no amount of treatment can stop. Mayor Clayton tried to get the Canadian government to pass the law for people who have severe mental illnesses to be able to obtain PAS or voluntary euthanasia. The law wouldn't pass, be passed, and unfortunately, he took his own life in the year 2017. Unfortunately, in most cases, people who are experiencing thoughts like as this individual, they most of the time will end up usually taking their own life. But sometimes when they are not successful in taking their own life, they can end up with unfortunate conditions that are long-term and can be can add suffering to their life. Especially if the suicide attempt was unsuccessful. Continuing that, that's why me, the medical assistance in dying in Canada is requiring a medical practitioner to support a patient's resolve to die. The decision, this is because the decision is so permanent that it not only lands in the hands of the patients, but as well as in the hands of the medical professionals, where their care, where in their care they can cause no harm, and supporting death is against their job. They are doing this because they want to give those people an extra chance. But once again, mental illness is so hard to measure. That is why they're just not allowing most people who have mental illnesses to receive physician-assisted suicide. And they're trying to protect them. I stated once again in the Psychology Today article, not having an available, safe, and medically supervised system to dying it doesn't prevent death. According to the Dying with Dignity Canada, the absence of legal and feasible option pushes individuals into making agonizing and expensive decisions. They must either take their own life or travel abroad to countries where assisted suicide is legal. The truth is no matter which situation that a person ends up in, especially if it is a fear, mental, challenges that make their life unbearable, dying will most likely happen. And we have to think that, yeah, using physician-assisted suicide is a way that we can prevent someone from living, 
and in turn hurting them by not allowing them to have the chance to experience what could be in their life. But we also have to think about the amount of suffering they have and how much they can actually endure. There are people out there who may not realize that mental illnesses or anything beyond the physical are not considered so much terminal illnesses. This is due to that most mental illnesses sometimes cannot be measurable, such as the physical aspects of a human being. And that's why some don't even present PAS to those individuals because they don't want those people to be placed in a situation where they make a permanent decision and it could have been and stopped. That is why in the article um, by Psychology Today, Scott Kim, the person who is in charge of most people are against the idea that, as Scott Kim states in the Psychology Today article, Euthanasia is permanent. Even the most sophisticated psychiatrist does not have too much data to go on except their own experience and impressions to make these prognostic determinations. In that wanting to die is usually a part of the mental illness manifestation. Most people are against the idea that Providing euthanasia to everyone is most likely not a good idea. As Scott Kim states in the Psychology Today article, euthanasia is permanent. Even the most sophisticated psychiatrist does not have too much data to go on except their own experience and impressions to make these prognostic determinations. And that wanting to die is usually often the part of the mental illness manifestation itself. And with the correct and consistent treatment, the desire to end one life may apace. Even with this understanding, even with this worry, you must take into account that terminal illness still extends beyond the physical. And when treatment does not work anymore, then patients do have a right especially if they are competent. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Have a good day.